Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni on VSEN. We're rolling along on a fun Thursday edition of the Lombardi line presented as always by BetMGM, alongside former NFL executive Michael Lombardi out there on the East Coast. I'm Stormy Bonantoni live from Circa Resort and Casino in downtown Las Vegas. Circa also hosting this week Mountain West Conference football media days later on at the end of this hour. We'll be joined on set by head coach of my alma mater. San Diego State, Brady Hoke, is going to join us here and plenty of college football this hour as well as the editor-in-chief of the college football section for The Athletic. Stuart Mandel will also be here in studio. Maybe he can give us a little bit of insight as to what all went down between the league and San Diego State to begin with over the past couple of weeks. But, Michael, excited for a second fun hour here. And to get us started, you have a new article up Uh, right now at vcin.com. DeAndre Hopkins and the myth of the number one wide receiver. It it sounds like a murder mystery, Michael, but why was it important for you to discuss this with the people at home? Well, I I think we have a misconception. And as I wrote about, the the, there's myths kind of take on a, a life of their own. And... This idea that every team has a number one receiver. And when you use the word number one receiver, you're implying that this receiver is a guy that you have to set a coverage to. You have to roll the coverage to. You have to double them on every single play because the ball will be in the end zone if you don't. He changes game plans. He creates mismatches that you can't win. That Those statements are few and far between, right? And so when this is being tossed around, well, Hopkins is the number one receiver. Okay. You know, once every 18.8 times he touched the ball, he scored a touchdown in Arizona. That's not a number one receiver considering Randy Moss was at Mm 6.57. Paul Warfield was at five. Terrell Owens was at eight, right? Devontae Adams is at, at nine. So, like, guys that put the ball in the end zone that they take coverage, that's what makes it. So, did Tennessee improve themselves? Yes. Is he a number one receiver in terms of he's a lock to go into the Hall of Fame? No. Is he a good player? Yes. And I think we have a really hard time making the distinction between the two. Mm-hmm. And so, when someone says, well, you need a number one receiver, yeah, everybody does. <laughs> 
but you can't pay a guy as if he's the number one if he's not. Yeah, and this is one of those situations where, you know, you wrote about it in the article that these players a lot of times are overrated, overpraised, and now overpaid. And this is kind of a situation that we see here with DeAndre Hopkins. He goes to the highest bidder in the Tennessee Titans. He could have gone to a place potentially like a Kansas City or a Buffalo or um, the New England Patriots, but he had a certain number in mind. I would have to assume, based on what we saw with the Odell Beckham Jr. situation going to the Ravens, that creates a number in your head of a value that you're going to be willing to say yes to or no to. And he ends up in Tennessee. And again, while we're having the conversation of between being a, a top wide receiver on your team and being a number one wide receiver is a different type of a thing because clearly he's going to make an impact in Tennessee, right? You have to look at what they put together last year. Their total wide receiver room 1,595 yards, 30th in the NFL, 57% reception percentage, 30th in the NFL, six total receiving touchdowns, 31st in the NFL, and some of those guys aren't even there anymore. So he's going to be right. an important part of this offense and what they're trying to do moving forward, but it's still it's a very, very different conversation in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, I mean, and, and people will go to the game and they'll say, look, we got to take Hopkins away, especially on critical passing, critical downs, conversion downs. And that'll put pressure on Burks, their number one pick from a year ago, to really rise above. This team allows him to play in the slot, which I think is really crucial for Hopkins. You know, when you say something bad about a player, you're not knocking the player. It's an evaluation. There's strengths and weaknesses. Hopkins has never relied on great speed. Mm -hmm. He's never relied on unbelievable quickness. He's relied on great eye-hand coordination, great body control, and the ability to win 50-50 balls. His average per catch has gone down 1.4 yards from the time he left Houston to he's now left Arizona. So it's like his production is slowly going down. He doesn't get the ball in the end zone as much. He doesn't make as much on the yards after uh, yards on catches. So, but you're right. He will help Tennessee. But this notion that you just let a number one receiver slip through your cr cracks mm -hmm. is wrong because the Patriots signed Smith-Schuster. He had 78 catches, averaged 12 yards, scored three touchdowns. Those numbers are along the same lines as Hopkins. Mm -hmm. But no one confuses Smith-Schuster for a number one mm -hmm. because he's not. You uh, So two years, $26 million, that's what DeAndre Hopkins' deal is. With incentives can get up to 32, which seem to be attainable um, incentives based on his past history. You write in the article, 18 wide receivers are making over $18 million a season right now. But are all of them number one receivers? No. Christian Kirk from Jacksonville isn't one. Neither is Keenan Allen or Terry McLaurin. They're good players, but they don't place the fear of God into defensive coordinators. And I love that statement because when even we're handicapping games going into the season, like a lot of the things that I take into account are if I'm an opposing defensive coordinator or if I'm an opposing whatever, like what's going to scare me? What do we really, really hone in on, on needing to try to take away or eliminate? And in this case, you're saying some of these guys who are paid like they are a number one wide receiver aren't putting the fear of God in anybody. Right. As I wrote, he worries the defense. Hopkins yeah. worries the defense. McLaurin worries the defense, right? They worry. They're worried about them. They know they got to deal with them. But they feel like they have a compatible player or comparable player that can match up. When you scare the defense, there's no one that matches up to Tyreek Hill one-on-one. -on -one. 
If you decide to leave Tyreek Hill alone and press coverage and say, okay, you got him, you're going to get, they're going to score a touchdown on you. If you left Randy Moss alone, they're going to score. That's why Randy Moss averaged 6.5. I mean, Tyreek Hill, every nine times he catches the ball, he scores a touchdown. Devontae Adams, every 8.83 times he touches the ball, he scores a touchdown. And when you're a number one receiver, not number one receiver on the team, a number one receiver in the Mm -hmm. league, you can't get game planned out of the play, the game. Like, we... You can't take Adams out. Adams doesn't have a game where he doesn't make plays. Hill doesn't have games where he doesn't make plays. Those Jefferson doesn't have a game where he doesn't make plays. Those guys are legitimate. And we've confused good for great. That's all I'm trying yeah. to say. And I think Hopkins is a good player. He'll help Tennessee. I think Tennessee is a team that can go over their win total at seven and a half because, A, they play Houston twice. They play Indy twice, two rookie quarterbacks. Right, two rookie mm-hmm. quarterbacks against a good defense, and then they play they play Jacksonville twice. Now I know people are scared of Jacksonville, but Tennessee's not. They right. almost beat them last year, so there's a really good chance that if they win four games of their own division, they can get to eight wins. I hate to say it, Michael, but the way that you rag on Femi for certain teams and things he likes, I I worry that I might have that with the Tennessee Titans. I did end up. Buying in on their season win total over seven and a half. I bet an alt over their season win total eight and a half at two to one. And I placed a bet on them to win the division at plus 350. So I am I am all in on the Titans this year. We're going to have to follow along and see see how that ends up coming. Right. But I liked a lot of our conversation from the other day, um, talking to the ESPN Nation reporter, Teron Davenport, about his feelings and talking through with you that within this division specifically, like the gap isn't as wide as the odds indicate between the Jacksonville Jaguars and Tennessee Titans in my mind. Davenport said it was more like a 1A and 1B, and I think I kind of agree yep. from that standpoint. So I'm buying in on the Titans to have eight or more wins. Right, and, and I mean, look, they, they've their offensive line needs to come together. There's no question. They've tried to address that. They lose David Long, a really good player, the linebacker, the middle linebacker, but they sign Azir Al-Shahir, who's a really good player that you know from San Francisco. They shot. They signed Sean Murphy Bunning at corner. It gives them a legitimate corner. Is he great? No, but it helps them to go along with their pass rush, right? Mm-hmm. So they have good players. They're deep. Look, their formula for winning is they're going to play sound defense. They're going to not turn the ball over. They're going to not. They're not going to lose the game, and they're going to run Henry. They're going to run play action pass. I think to me. If you take that into account, you say, why am I making this bet? You're saying you trust Vrabel. You believe their defense is going to be good enough. The competition is an elite within their own division. And they're going to improve as the year goes on. I think it's a sound judgment. Do I think it'll hit? Yes. If it doesn't hit, we'll figure out why. But the cards line up for it to be a sound investment. And to put the final exclamation point on this, I... Just cementing what you just said, the last line of your article, I think, puts it all together well. I trust Brable. I love their defense. And adding Hopkins can help. But let's not buy the myth that he's a number one wide receiver. And that's why even his prop numbers this year aren't that of a number one receiver. His over-under in receiving yards, 850 and a half. His touchdown number, four and a half. Right. And, and, And it didn't move the needle for Tennessee's team either. Right. Mm -hmm. It didn't move the needle like very few players move the needle, especially at the skill position, because, you know, we know that there's some guys that can be taken away from the game. We know this. 
right? We understand it. And when you have a player that's like Hill or Adams or those guys that are hard to take out of the game, maybe it's Garrett Wilson with the Jets. We'll see this year, mm-hmm. right? We'll find out how it's coming along. But I think to me, we are so quick to say this guy's, I mean, this guy's the number one or this guy. No, I mean, nobody drives to the stadium saying, oh, my God, I got to play Keenan <laughs> Allen today. No one drives to the stadium saying Christian Kirk, right? They're worried about Mike Adams now. Mike Adams puts the fear of God into you, right? You got to take care of him. And so that allows Allen to do what he does. And when people look at the Tennessee Titans team, the player offensively that puts that fear in them is Derrick Henry. And this offense is going to continue to run through him. But DeAndre Hopkins, a great addition to free him up, be a good one-two tandem there with Ryan Tannehill. We know that he's stoked to have somebody to actually throw the ball to. We got to take a quick break here, though, from one free agent who has found his no home to another in Dalvin Cook that's still looking and some make-it-or-break-it NFL quarterbacks at a crossroads. Will these props make sense for these guys? At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSIN, the sports betting network. We all know about the speed of sound, but have you ever thought about the sounds of speeding? If you drive over the speed limit, there's lots of sounds you might hear. You could hear the sound of your vehicle crashing, the sound of first responders desperately trying to save you. You could even hear the sound of people at a funeral. Because if you drive over the speed limit, you can do damage that's beyond repair. One way or another, speeding catches up with you, paid for by NHTSA. This is the Lombardi line. To go back to something we talked about earlier in the show, it's Madden Ratings Week, and we're seeing numbers pop up all over social media right now. Free agent running back Dalvin Cook, Michael, sixth overall at the position with a 90 rating, and he's still looking for a home here in 2023. The Jets are among the favorites to land Cook, but they just worked out um, a veteran running back. 
the I mean the Patriots are looking for so Patriots out Fortnite. Yes, exactly. Fortnite. Um, but the Jets, the Dolphins, and Patriots are the teams that I keep on hearing around Dalvin Cook. What have you heard? Well, I mean the the Patriots, you know, they have they have Kevin Harris who they drafted. They have Pierre Strong who they've drafted. Both players are second year. They're young. They like both players, but Stevenson is their lead player. Uh, could they add some? They have a ton of cap room. They have more cap room next year. They'll have the team with the most cap room of anybody. So, you know, I, I think he makes a lot of sense for them. He certainly makes sense for the Jets as well. Bryce, Brees Hall is on PUP, which we expected, right? Anytime a player is injured from a knee injury the year before, they're not going to pass the physical immediately. It's going to take some time. And why do they do that is because it allows you to let him rehab with the trainers, get himself acquainted to what he needs to do for the rigors of the season. I would assume sometime in August they'll pass Brees Hall on the physical. Mm -hmm. So they could use him there. I, I think, look, Dalvin Cook's a great player. And he can help you in the passing game, particularly. He would be a great complement to uh, any other back on the team. You know, the kids used to carry. He carried 270 times, gained over 1,000 yards last year, played 17 games. So I don't think there, there's no reason he should have to take a bad deal. But we know this. Aaron Jones took a pay cut. We know Joe Mixon took a pay cut. And we know Miles Sanders and David Montgomery signed for around over just slightly above $6 million. So the market has dictated what the market is. You can fight it, but that's what the market is. Yeah, and the reports have been that he's looking for over eight. Uh, ESPN's Rich Samini said specifically when it comes to the Jets, they're one of those teams that's not really particularly interested in paying running backs, that he'd be surprised if they were even willing to go as high as six. With the Patriots, according to Spotrack, the most the Patriots have paid for a running back under Belichick was James White's three-year, $12 million contract. So they'd have to completely change philosophically what we know of them in yeah. order to do a contract like that, right? Well, I mean, they've never really – I mean, I, I would have to – based on what they paid Kevin Falk as it related to when they did, or Corey Dillon when they got Corey Dillon and then redid his deal. So you have to kind of go back. If you okay. just look over the last few years, I would say that, you know, they've been fortunate to get running backs to go and kind of fit what they do. Kind of – they drafted running backs too, whether it's uh, – whether it was uh, Ridley, Stephen Ridley – that they drafted or Shane Vereen, both players kind of played off one another and won a Super Bowl with both players in the backfield. So it's kind of been their, their modus operandi. Uh, I think if they had full confidence in Pierre Strong that he could play like he did against the Cardinals, they would probably lean towards not. Uh, because, you know, if you feel like you have a really good player, you don't sign a player who's just a little bit better. You want to significantly improve your team. And I think Dalvin Cook would significantly improve the Patriots. One team I was surprised wasn't a little bit more in the conversation was the Dallas Cowboys because you move yeah. on from Zeke and you have Tony Pollard, who, yes, dynamic, but is coming off a significant leg injury that I think yeah. that could be a great complimentary piece there that would make sense. But I haven't heard their name really in the mix much. I think they probably, Stormy, they would be in the mix, although when they kicked the tires, they found out it was too expensive. So they, they got off of Fifth Avenue and they went to another store. They're going to look somewhere else, right? You know, and they're going to have to say, okay, here's where we are. Because they, you're right. I mean, at Pollard coming off a knee, they have Malik Davis, who's, you know, a free agent in 22. They have Deuce Vaughn, who they drafted this year in the sixth round. Rico Dwindle, 
uh, uh, they dra- is a free agent, and Ronald Jones, who they signed from Tampa. So they're not really stacked at the position in terms of a backup, although maybe they believe Ronald Jones could be the guy. I think maybe a change of scenery, they think he could do it. I, the team that shocks me that they're not in it, and today there's a change of ownership, is Washington. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know people think Washington are loaded at running backs with Antonio Gibson and, and Robinson, but to me, I, I think they could really use this, right? They need a back. They need somebody who puts the fear of God into the backfield, right? Somebody who can help. I think Rob Brian Robinson's a really good player. He's a good player. He's not a great player. And Gibson's a receiver. They made a running back. Good player. But they could use an elite player there to help Sam Howe. Again, the next team odds uh, atop the odds board there for Dalvin Cook. The Patriots a plus one fifty favorite, followed by his hometown Miami Dolphins two to one, and the Jets at four to one. Let's look at a couple uh, of NFL quarterbacks who this season are entering some high leverage seasons that could impact their NFL futures. So, we'll I'll list a couple of guys off to you, and you tell me if you think they can exceed expectations or underperform this year. And I want to start with Russell Wilson in a new situation with head coach Sean Payton. Nathaniel Hackett moves out the door, the new offensive coordinator in New York. But for Russell Wilson, new situation, the Broncos win total sitting at eight and a half. His passing yards prop, 3,725 and a half and touchdowns at 24 and a half. Do you think he exceeds expectations or reverts back to more of what we saw last year? This is a hard one for me because one of the concerns I have about Russell is that his eye level's down in that the hits that he's taken over his career as quarterbacks age and they take all these hits, the problems come when they start to think they're going to get hit when they're not and their eye level. And you look at it in yards per attempt, but you also look at it on how they try to move around in the pocket, how they escape. And Russell has been very impatient in the pocket. He has not been a quarterback that's kind of wanted to climb the ladder, if you will, which means step up. When you step up in the pocket, there's a good chance you're going to get hit. When you go right or left, you're trying to run away from danger. And so Russell has been one of these guys lately that just wants to step right or left. And that's been a problem. I have, to me, this is a pass on all areas. Mm -hmm. Because what we saw from him last year was that he was unwilling to do that. Can Sean change that? That's that's not a coaching thing. That's an innate thing in the quarterback. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, no, you're fine. I was just going to say 16 touchdowns, 11 interceptions a year ago. But we know, I mean, there have been seasons where 34, 34, 35, 40 touchdown seasons. We know how dynamic he can be when he's at his best. But it just hasn't showed out lately. He's getting older. The injury history is there as well. So this year is a little bit of an anomaly to me still. I, I'm not willing to to go ahead and put my money on it just yet. Another player of extreme interest to me, and I know to you as well as somebody who in this year's VEASAN NFL betting guide put the Browns as your winner in that division, Deshaun Watson. The Browns win total this year, nine and a half. His passing yards prop, 35, 99 and a half. Touchdowns, 25 and a half. And I mean, just a couple years ago that he was the passing leader in the NFL. What kind of a step or not do you anticipate Deshaun Watson having? Well, if you're like me that think the Browns should win more than nine games, then you should play all these props, right? Because if they win more than nine games, then he's going to throw for over 3,600 yards, and he should throw for 26 touchdown passes. 
I mean, he should. There's really not an area of their football team that you look at and say, well, they're not very good here. They really are. I mean, they have one of the best offensive lines in football. I mean, that's a fact. I mean, they're good. They're all under contract. They're not going to miss any time. You know, they've got a legitimate running back who can control the pace of the game, who's very good at breaking tackles. They've got a good receiving core, not elite. Amari Cooper's not a number one receiver, but he's a good receiver. Again, he's not, you know, he's he's one of those guys who makes twenty million a year. But nobody drives to the stadium saying, "Oh my God, we got Amari today." Oh my God, what are we going to do? Like he's a good player, and Donovan Peoples Jones makes plays. I think Elijah Moore in the slot will certainly help them. So I, I like their team, uh, and it's all going to come down to Watson. Can he be any worse, Stormy? Can he be anywhere? I mean, he had no rhythm. He had no timing. This isn't the Russell Wilson where you watched him and you said, what, what? No, he just didn't look like he had played football for years, and he hadn't. Yeah, Jacoby Brissett was better over the course of the year than Deshaun Watson when he stepped in He was. Um, Of these last three, Kirk Cousins, Tua Tungavailoa, Mac Jones, if you had to buy in on one to have a really good season this year, who would you pick? I mean, you know, Tua, I would say Tua. Because you think if he stays healthy, he's going to have a good year with the skill set that they have and as much as they throw the football. You know, same thing with Mac. Seven and a half wins. I think Mac Jones, this is a big part of his career. So I would go to a Mac, and then I probably would go Kirk Cousins because Kirk Cousins' numbers are fairly high. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're already he's already at 43-24 to go over. That's a, that's a significant that, – that, you know, that's a lot of, lot of passing going on there. Yeah, Kirk Cousins is a good quarterback. The flack he always gets is how he performs in high-leverage crunch time situations, but then they go win all those one-score games a year ago and still can't get it done in the playoffs. Come on, Kirk. One year. One yeah. year. That's all I'm asking for, buddy. We got to take a quick time out here, but the final half hour of the show, we're turning our attention to all things college football. Editor-in-chief, the college football section at The Athletic, Stuart Mandel, is going to join us next. And at the end of the hour, SDSU head football coach Brady Hoke. Don't go anywhere. This is the Lombardi Line on VSIN, the sports betting network. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni on VSIN, the sports betting network. Back here on the Lombardi Line, everybody remember, become a VSIN Pro subscriber today. That'll get you the daily email recapping all the best bets from our show hosts and guests. You also get unlimited access to the VSIN.com slash picks page where you can start picks by sport, matchup, event date, and more. Plus, we also have a top VSIN experts leaderboard now where you can view betting records, profit, and ROI and see which VSIN expert has the hot hand at any given time. For VSIN Pro picks, betting splits, power ratings, plus 24 7 video access, become a VSIN Pro subscriber today. VSIN.com slash subscribes where you can do it just 19 bucks. Rolling along here on a Thursday. Time to shift to college football for this last half hour of the program. Alongside Michael Lombardi out on the East Coast. Stormy Tony live from Circa Resort and Casino in downtown Las Vegas. And on set with us, the man, the myth, the legend, Stuart Mandel of uh, The Athletic, college football editor-in-chief. And that's what he's in my cell phone as as well and gave me grief about it the Found other that day. out this week. <laughs> I told you, I do that for everybody. You have an identifier. <laughs> even though you, I don't know another Stuart Mandel, I will tell you, but it is what it and is. And I only know one person named Stormy, so I did not So put, I don't even get a last go. name. I don't, you know, I don't put ESPN next to it, but that's okay. Do I get a last name or are you just Stormy? Am I like no, Cher or Madonna? Your last name's in there, but I got to be <laughs> honest, it took me a while to figure out the spelling. <laughs> Well, Michael Stewart is in town for both Pac-12 and Mountain West Media Days. He's knocking out two birds with one stone here. And I know you are somebody who's very interested in in the Pac-12 and the quarterback play specifically. 
Yeah, I mean, look, I, you know, the Pac-12, I think uh, – because everybody's asleep when the games are going on, we don't realize how good of a how good of a conference it is in terms of quarterbacking play. Stuart, you do because you cover it. Let's talk the University of Washington and how good their team could be and what you believe could they challenge USC with Caden DeBoard and Michael Penix at quarterback? Yeah, I mean, one of the shames of last year was that they didn't play each other, you know, mm-hmm. with, with with the uneven schedules. <laughs> I thought Washington was the best team in the Pac-12 by the end of the season, but they didn't get that chance. They lost a game early on to Arizona that set them back. But it's crazy if you look back at the production Michael Penix had and his three receivers, and they're all back. Mm-hmm. So I expect them to make a run at the championship. A lot of teams fit in this category of what I'm about to say. It's will they have a defense? Yeah. We, there are a lot of great quarterbacks in the Pac-12. There are not many average, much less great defenses but I do think Washington has some high-end players on defense. So we'll see if in a second year in the system, if it gets a lot better. Well, and I think the prime example of one of the top teams in the conferences that doesn't have a defense is USC. Right. And obviously, because of what they had talent-wise on offense and Caleb Williams leading that group, they were lighting up the scoreboard, but they kind of had to as well because of some of the defensive play. Do you anticipate that getting shored up enough for them to not only maybe win the Pac-12 this year and go over their season win total, which we see at 10, but also potentially have a spot in the college football playoff this year, like I know they're gunning for. I do, because if you remember last year, Lincoln Riley, when he was turning over the roster, got obviously Caleb Williams, but also a lot of other high-profile transfers on offense. This year, he shifted it more to the defense. Mason Cobb was an outstanding linebacker at Oklahoma State who they brought in. There's several others like that, high-impact transfers on defense. Does that mean they're going to be dominant on defense? Probably not. But what you're looking for from them is more consistency. Last year, the defense played had, had decent games early on and just fell apart at the end. They need it start to finish, a defense that um, makes it so that Caleb Williams doesn't have to score a touchdown every single time he has the <laughs> ball. Yeah. Well, I mean, Dan Lanning did a great job going into Oregon. I know it started slow. And Bo Nix, to me, played Stuart better than I ever saw him play for uh, Gussie Malzahn down there at Auburn. (laughs) So what do you think about Oregon this year in terms of can they repeat what they were able to do last year in terms of the, you know, they had, again, they they stumbled down to the block. They stumbled late in the season and they had a chance to be in the finals. I mean, they had that last second game against Washington that, that it came down to not converting a fourth down. If they do, they're probably in the Pac-12 championship game. Um, Bo Nix is outstanding. I think people maybe didn't believe it last year because of the way he played at Auburn. The concern for them this year is they lost a ton off their offensive line, including um, Alex Forsythe, the center, who was kind of the heart and soul of it. So we're going to see he did bring in some transfers. He, they need to shore that up to have the kind of offense they had last year. They are one of the other teams that struggled on defense. I'm not as worried about that um, because of the way Mario Cristobal recruited on that side of the ball. But yeah, offensive line will be the big question. It was really impressive to see after the way that week one game against Georgia went last year for them to rebound the way they did the back end of the season and continue to grow and develop and blow people out conversely on the opposite side. So I hope they have success this year. I'm excited for the Pac-12 in general. It feels like over the last couple of seasons, there's been kind of a resurgence. Even you look at what Jonathan Smith is doing at Oregon State and how they've developed and bringing in DJ Uyunglele. Speaking of that, There are a lot of quarterback questions, new quarterbacks in new places this year. Is there one team, like, is it 
a Notre Dame or one of those programs that stands out to you as the new quarterback coming in, making a significant impact for them? Well, you know, Notre Dame, you pointed out, Sam Hartman is from Wake Forest is such an upgrade over any quarterback they've had recently, certainly under Brian Kelly, um, that it's got Notre Dame fans thinking Heisman, national championship. I wouldn't quite go that far yet. <laughs> But, but they stand out to me as a team that upgraded in a big way uh, through the transfer portal at quarterback. What's interesting is a lot of the top teams, Georgia in particular, Alabama, Ohio State, um, they have questions at quarterback. And I think Carson Beck, who's going to be the new starter at Georgia, uh, I've heard nothing but good things about him. But is Kyle McCord at Ohio State going to continue in the line of Justin Fields, C.J. Stroud? Like they've had such an assembly line there. And the biggest question mark by far is Alabama. Uh, the fact that Nick Saban didn't have enough faith in his quarterbacks coming out of spring to bring in Tyler Buckner from Notre Dame, who was not that impressive in his first season at Notre Dame, we're all sitting there wondering, okay, it's Nick Saban. You don't want to doubt him. But, man, that does not inspire confidence, the, the situation he has at quarterback. Yeah, and we know we mentioned DJ going to Oregon State, Clemson. You know, they've been down in terms of DJ never lived up to the hype, the five-star, all that. Who will will Cade Klepnik be the guy again this year? And do you feel like that Dabo's finally got this thing turned around to where they're back to be in one of the four elite teams in college football? I don't know about four elite, but, you know, the last two years, the offense has been very underwhelming. And I think a lot of that was that DJ just never, never found his rhythm. So you have two big changes this year. Kate Klubnik obviously taking over full time. He looked good late last season. And then Garrett Riley coming in from TCU, the offensive coordinator of the team that went to the national championship. This was a big deal for Dabo to step outside the Clemson family and hire somebody who is just widely respected as an OC. Uh, I would assume that will have an impact. I will say we took for granted all those years when Clemson had all these first round receivers and Travis Etienne at running back. I don't, I watched them in the spring and I did not get the sense they, they're like um, jumping with high end talent at the skill positions, but they'll be very good on defense. And if Cade Klubnik avoids the kind of mistakes, because there were so many games where DJ just, yeah, it, it was, it was hard to watch. <laughs> If Cade Klubnik can avoid that, they'll be in pretty good shape. Yeah, and they've just been such a dominant force in the ACC for such a long time. I want to say one with seven of the last eight conference titles. Now they've got Florida State kind of nipping at their heels. What are they going to be this season after really turning it on the last five games of the regular season last year? Florida State did. When you look at the top of college football, though, obviously the class of the sport at this point is the Georgia Bulldogs. They've won the last two national titles favored here to win a third and despite not having their quarterback in Stetson Bennett, but they're a team that we always use that cliche. They don't rebuild, they reload. They're one of those programs. Are they going to be a dominant force again this year? Yeah, they're, they're now what Alabama was for so long where it almost doesn't matter who, who, the, which quarterback left or which defensive players, they're just going to bring in more of them. Um, now the wrinkle for Georgia, I guess this year, what you, you would say Todd Munkin, I thought, did a phenomenal mm -hmm. job for them as offensive coordinator. He left. They promoted Mike Bobo from within. And then the weird thing about Georgia this season is the first two-thirds of their schedule is so easy that I don't know that we're really going to know how good yeah. they are until much later. We're going to default. We're going to assume they're very good because they're going to be beating people by 40. Um, but it's not until late in the season that they play Tennessee 
and a couple other teams that might actually threaten them. We have uh, Brady Hoke, San Diego State yeah. head coach, that's coming up here next live in studio with us. And I was just wondering, have you heard anything about <laughs> what transpired with San Diego State and the league while you've been here? No, believe it or not, nobody's like I interviewed uh, their commissioner or talked to Brady a little bit in a group. Nobody's coming out and giving me all the goods. Dang it. But I do think it's safe to assume your alma mater will still be in the Mountain West in 2024. <laughs> I don't think we have much certainty after that. I mean, first, the Pac-12 has got to get their TV deal done. Then they've got to decide on expansion. But if they do expand at this late stage in the game, I would think it wouldn't happen until 25. How disappointing was that, by the way? that we get the news before Pac-12 Media Day even starts. Like, don't ask the questions. We're not going to have our rights deal as information for you. Yeah, but Classic. We're, we're still going to ask the questions. You know, I, I, I appreciate that they're trying to put up that 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 um, preemptive strike. Yeah. We're still going to ask the it's questions. It's been a full calendar year now, Michael, officially, since they have opened yep. up these, these negotiations. And nada. Uh, appreciate your time, Stuart. Awesome stuff. Stuart Mandel. Thanks, Stuart. Appreciate you. Make sure you check out the Audible College Football Podcast on The Athletic as well. All of the written work they do. Great stuff. We got to step aside. But like I said, Brady Hoke, San Diego State, coming up next on the Lombardi Line. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSEN, the sports betting network. BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks, unleashes the spirit of Las Vegas with BetMGM Rewards. Every time you make a wager at BetMGM, you can earn BetMGM Rewards points. You can redeem for online bonus credits like bonus bets and bet insurance tokens. Plus, if you're planning a trip, you can also convert BetMGM points into MGM Rewards points. You can use towards dining shows and hotel rooms at over 20 MGM Resorts properties located here on the Las Vegas Strip and nationwide. Sign up. With BetMGM or log on today to get an even bigger piece of the action with BetMGM Rewards. Eligibility restrictions apply. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. New and existing customer offer. All promotions 
subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as is non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. We're wrapping things up here live on the Lombardi line in downtown Las Vegas. Michael Lombardi out on the East Coast at his office in Jersey. We were hoping to have San Diego State head coach Brady Hoke on the desk. He might have gotten held up upstairs at media days with all of the other media but if he comes in we will welcome him certainly here on the desk michael but a great conversation absolutely yeah right of course come in whenever you need coach but we uh we had a great conversation there with Stuart mandel just talking college football in general what were some of your big takeaways or or thoughts on college football or the pac-12 big picture coming into this year well, I, I'm i'm so anxious to learn about what they're going to do with the tv deal right yeah. so they said they were getting close to a TV deal, and then you tell me they don't want to talk about a TV deal. And I think it kind of has been hard because of the start times in the West Coast, right? You know, when they kick the ball off at 7.30 in Los Angeles or Seattle or Tucson, that's 10.30, you know, back here. And so a lot of people don't get to experience Michael Penix. Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't know what a good coach Jonathan Smith is at Oregon State. You know, and so we kind of miss out. And, and because we miss out, we don't realize how good some of these programs are. Utah, Kyle Whittingham's yeah. program is outstanding. It's one of the best ones ever, you know, and we're going to learn about them when Florida goes to open the season in Salt Lake. So I just wish they had a TV deal where they would have a better start time so that we, the country, could experience Pac-12 football. It's not like... There's not good players in the Pac-12. No, you're certainly right. And that's what stunk, I think, for a time when USC, specifically being the national brand that they are, took the step back that they had for a number of years. And now they're obviously back to relevance, which reinvigorates, I think, the Pac-12 in a big way. When USC is good, the Pac-12 feels like it's good. And you have these programs like Washington and Oregon that are really back to uh, potentially a force, right? And the thing about the Pac-12 that always frustrates me specifically as we try to talk about these different teams that can make their way in and crack the college football playoff, be one of those elusive top four, is that they always seem to beat themselves up at the end of the season. There can't be, for whatever reason, a team that starts dominant and stays dominant. They beat each other up. And even USC last year branded Caleb Williams' injury playing a role in this in the Pac-12 title game, but losing both of those games to Utah in the season. It's just, it, they're so dominant in so many areas, and then you stub your toe when you can't afford to stub your toe. So I'm very curious to see if Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley, if they can fix up that defense to the extent where they can make that push and be the dominant team throughout the course of the entire year and not get tripped up. Yeah, I think that's a great point, Stormy. I, I think some of these times when they play in these conference tournaments, you know, the championships, they lose their chance to be a Final Four team, and that, that affects them. The mm -hmm. other part that I thought Stuart was really good at that's interest me was Clemson, mm -hmm. right? Everybody just thinks Clemson's the faucet. We're going to turn it on, and they're going to be back to normal. When he made the comment that when he was watching spring practice, he didn't get the sense that they were the Clemson of olds from a skill position point of view. So, you know, with the North Carolina, with, with North Carolina – Having, you know, Drake May, the quarterback there, that opens up a, a, a opportunity for them maybe to win the ACC. Clemson, we're not sure where they are at quarterback. I, I think to me, it's a big year for Dabo Sweeney. What he does offensively, went outside the box in his mm -hmm. thinking in terms of his family, 
and how they turn this program around. Yeah, the defending champions, like I said, with Stewart, won seven of their last eight. But Florida State and Mike Norvell are certainly going to challenge them. And when you look at the schedule for Florida State, they have LSU in the opener, which is going to be a really, really tough test. If they are to get past the Tigers, it could set up for a really fun week four in Death Valley against the Clemson Tigers and see who really is. I mean, that's how early we're going to really get a feel for the ACC in conference play next year's week four when those two go head to head. So I'm excited for that standpoint. If you had to make your college football playoff final four right now, who would be in it? Well, it's so much uncertainty. I don't know who the starting quarterback is at Alabama, right? Mm -hmm. I I don't know where they're going there. I don't know how Tommy Reese is going to fit in at Alabama. I was not impressed with the Notre Dame offense, certainly. I think LSU's a sleeper. I really do. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they'll be a Final Four team. But I have to believe USC, I think Michigan or Ohio State. Michigan, there's a sense of confidence up there. you know. I, and talking to a lot of people within their program, I think they feel like they're going to be really good. So let's say USC-Michigan gives me two. I'm going to go Georgia just because and throw Florida State in there, somebody from the from the ACC. Okay, I like that. Do you think that Georgia, to Stewart's point about Georgia's schedule this coming year, very, very it's easy. It's unbelievable. Very, very easy. Like it's that's, unbelievable. That's why, I mean, everybody and their mother is betting their over win total. Just bet them to have a perfect season and win it all because that's the only way you're going to find a cent of value on Georgia this season. And we're so worried about who's going to be their quarterback when we know. I know Stetson Bennett improved, but they've won at times in spite of their quarterback, mm-hmm. right? They're going to run the ball. They're going to play great defense. And they've got skill players all over. I mean, Kirby's done a great job of recruiting. And look, I think the Southeast Conference is going to be really good. It, it, the other thing I didn't have a chance to ask Stuart about, I really want to, is Texas. Yeah. Is Arch Manning going to play? What are they going to do? Are they going to redshirt Arch Manning? How are they going to handle that program as, they sh- as they're getting ready to go into the Southeast Conference, the Texas Longhorns? Are they finally going to step up and actually be a good team, or are we going to keep talking about them on paper? I'm anxious to see that. I really am. Uh, for the first time since 2011, Texas was the top pick in this year's preseason media poll. They're an even money favorite to win the league here year three <laughs> under Sark. It does appear, at least from everything I understand, Quinn Ewer is back at quarterback. They have 15 total returning starters. Biggest loss, of course, is going to be B. John Robinson, who's now with the Atlanta Falcons. Their win total sitting at nine and a half. And, you know, we joke about it all the time. Like, is Texas back ever since <laughs> Sam Ellinger putting the the newspaper articles out there is Texas back and we keep thinking it we keep saying it and it keeps not happening <laughs> so will it be this yeah, year no. <laughs> like that's the question to me like we uh, they we... stub go ahead they got to pl- they they stub their toe all the time they've got to play Alabama again this year this time they've got to play them in 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 uh, Tuscaloosa so you know yeah. I, I I never get the sense. That the Sark coach teams, whether it was in Seattle with Washington, whether it was with USC or now at Texas, they're tough enough. I just think, to me, they don't have a way to be competitively tough on a consistent basis when I watch his teams. He said in a recent quote, Sark did, we're a team. I don't know if we could say that a year ago. They're actually doing things necessary because they don't want to let their brother down. That's going to get us a long way. 
I think that's interesting to admit that about where your program was at. And I remember us talking with VEASAN contributor and writer Aaron Moore a couple weeks ago about Texas, and he was saying that they get a whole lot of credit for who they used to be every year, and that's why they're overhyped, and that's why they're overrated year in and year out. But for Sark to say, we were in a real team a year ago, and I feel like we are this season, that feels significant to me. I don't know about you, but they're also a team – along with Oklahoma, that could potentially have one foot out the door knowing that they're headed to the SEC next year. Yeah, I mean, look, they open up with Rice, right? I mean, every time I think that Texas opens up with Rice, I think about John F. Kennedy giving a speech on Rice's campus when he was talking about going to the moon. And he, and he really, in the speech, he says, why do we go to the moon? Why do we choose that as our destination? Why does Rice play Texas? Because it's hard, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's hard to play for Rice to play Texas because Texas was dominant back then. It's the same. So they play Texas, they play Wyoming, and then but in between that they play Alabama. And then they start their Big 12 schedule with Baylor and Kansas, and you know they're going to stub their toes somewhere along the line, whether it's Oklahoma, whether it's Kansas State. I just know they're going to stub their toe, whether it's Texas Tech in the last yeah. game of the year. It just it feels like an inevitability, unfortunately. Again, that win total is saying 9.5. They finished last year eight and five, but it, we know that one point loss to Alabama, the overtime loss to Texas Tech, one score losses to Oklahoma State and TCU. It's just what happens. They stub their toe. Great stuff. It is what it is. As always. It is what it is. Hey, You're Stormy, not Saquon Barkley. That's his this. line. Uh, that's from the that's from the Irishman. But I will say this. I think if you come to training camp with a bunch of dogs that need to be adopted, that would be a good entrance. Ooh, golden retrievers, too. I mean, that's always nice. But I love that. Yeah, get everybody on board. Adopt a dog. That is the training camp entrance. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.